Good morning, all of you. Welcome to Sunrise Community Church on this beautiful fall morning. Isn't the weather just amazing? I would like to copy-paste 365 days, but no, God gives us variety for a reason. Uh, Qué gran clima estamos teniendo en este tiempo. I'm so glad you're here, and I am excited for the change of seasons. I mean, that's a good thing. Es, es bueno cuando tengamos uh, uh, una, un cambio de temporada. And we are in that. Not only because of fall, not only because next week you get an hour extra of sleep, just be remembering that, but also because we're celebrating and we're kind of at this point of the year where we're, we're looking at the, the year that's been and starting to look ahead into the future. Estamos mirando el año pasado y hacia adelante. And that's why I want you to get your uh, calendars out and save an important date on them. It's Sunday, November 20. It's in three weeks. El domingo 20 de noviembre, en tres semanas, we're going to be having our annual congregational meeting uh, here after worship time. Vamos a tener la reunión anual después del, del servicio. Uh, and that is a time where we're selecting new leaders for the coming year for our servant team. We're also uh, presenting our ministry funding plans and, and goals and vision for the coming year. Presentamos el presupuesto y las metas el año que viene. Seleccionamos a nuevos líderes. But here's the deal. We, we sweeten the deal of this annual meeting every year by having our youth bless us with their annual dessert auction. And that's going to be on the very same day. In fact, we kind of go in between, between, you know, a little bit of sugar and a little bit of decision making and a little more sugar. And it's a lot of fun. So we hope you'll stay. If you're a Sunrise Mission Partner, we definitely want you here. And if you're still just checking out Sunrise, you are also very, very welcome to hear more about what's going on in the ministry of Sunrise. Uh, si, si son compañeros de misión, espero que puedan quedarse. Vamos a tener la subasta de postre también de los jóvenes. Algo dulce para disfrutar también mientras hablamos del futuro. So thank you for having that in mind. And boys and girls, we're thankful that you're here. We want to send you out for children in worship time right now. This is our children ages 3 up to 5th grade. Tenemos nuestro tiempo de niños en adoración ahora para los niños hasta quinto grado. We also have our, our uh, nursery care for the toddler ages up to age 2. Uh, tenemos la guardería infantil también. And the rest of us, we're going to be getting uh, ready for our message time. We have Bibles in the back. I want to highlight that. Tenemos Biblias detrás. You'll want to have a Bible because what we've been doing, we're, we're kind of continuing, as Jonathan said, uh, a series of messages. But what we've been doing in this series of, is we've been marching through the scriptures, kind of looking at the whole sweep of God's word and what it has to say about the kingdom of God. Estamos mirando a través de las escrituras el tema del reino de Dios. And today, we're going to be camping in the New Testament book of Acts. Vamos a estar en Hechos, el Nuevo Testamento. It's the fifth book of the New Testament. And to begin with, I'd like to read a scripture from Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Comenzamos con Hechos 1, versículos 3 al 9. I'll be uh, sharing this in English first, and then in Spanish, and we'll have other scriptures along the way. Comienzo leyendo en inglés. So, to set the scene, this is... This is talking about the risen Lord Jesus right after his resurrection and he's with his disciples. Jesús ya resucitado los muertos está con sus discípulos. So this is what God's word says. Así dice la palabra de Dios. After his suffering, he, Jesus, 
showed himself to these men, the disciples, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Después de padecer la muerte, Jesús se les presentó dándoles muchas pruebas convincentes de que estaba vivo. Durante 40 días se les apareció y les habló acerca del reino de Dios. Una vez, mientras comía con ellos, les ordenó, no se alejen de Jerusalén, sino esperen la promesa del Padre de la cual les he hablado. Juan bautizó con agua, pero dentro de pocos días ustedes serán bautizados con el Espíritu Santo. Entonces los que estaban reunidos con él le preguntaron, Señor, ¿es ahora cuando vas a restablecer el reino a Israel? No les toca a ustedes conocer la hora ni el momento determinados por la autoridad misma del Padre, les contestó Jesús. Pero cuando venga el Espíritu Santo sobre ustedes, recibirán poder y serán mis testigos, tanto en Jerusalén como en toda Judea y Samaria y hasta los confines de la tierra. Habiendo dicho eso, mientras ellos lo miraban, fue llevado a las alturas hasta que una nube lo ocultó de su vista. So, as I just said, what we're doing today is we're, we're tracing this theme of the kingdom of God as it is found in the book of Acts. Estamos trazando el tema del reino en el libro de Hechos. And, and as we do this, as I've been studying this, there's, there are really two main images that kind of come to my mind as I read over what Acts has to say. Hay dos imágenes que se me presentan a la mente basado en esto. And the first image is the image of a cocoon. Primero, un capullo. Now you say, I know what a cocoon is. Uh, that's that pretty sparkly covering that is used to turn a caterpillar into a butterfly. That's a cocoon. Un capullo es la cubierta, la cobertura muy bella que se usa para convertir una oruga en una mariposa. If you think that's a cocoon, I'm sorry to inform you, you're wrong. That's not a cocoon. That's a chrysalis. Esa es una crisalide. A cocoon is something different. A cocoon is kind of like a hard shell and it's not very pretty at all, and it is often not out there on display like a chrysalis is. Many times you'll see a chrysalis on a branch or something, it's out there in the open. Un capullo es más áspero y, y, y algo feo y escondido. No, a, a, a cocoon is often hidden, and a cocoon is used to turn a caterpillar into a moth. It's different. Se usa para convertir una oruga en una polilla. And the purpose of a cocoon is not to be beautiful. The purpose of a cocoon is to protect that emerging moth 
from damage and from danger. And that's why it's often a hidden thing. You don't see cocoons all over the place. El propósito es proteger la polilla de peligros y de daños. So that's the first image. I'll talk about the second one in just a bit. But as we enter into this reading from Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, we, we learn that for 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, the risen Lord Jesus is with his disciples. 40 días Jesús resucitado está con sus discípulos. And what is he talking to them about? It says that he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. Les enseña del reino de Dios. And he begins to lay out this plan for the disciples, his kingdom plan. Les pone plan del reino. And, and he basically says, hey, I want you to stay put. Stay here in Jerusalem and wait. Because in a few days, you're going to receive this amazing, marvelous gift. You're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, this amazing person. You're going to be immersed, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Esperen en Jerusalén el regalo del Padre que es el Espíritu Santo, del cual van a ser bautizados. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the disciples ask what appears to them to be a very logical question. Después los discípulos hacen una pregunta, and the question is this. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Señores, ¿ahora cuando vas a restablecer el reino a Israel? In other words, it's almost like they're saying, hey, Jesus, is Jerusalem supposed to be our cocoon? ¿Es Jerusalén nuestro capullo? Are we to just kind of hang out here and play it safe and be protected and be hidden while you, Jesus, now that you're risen, you go out and you kick out all the kings of the earth and you take over the world and you restore the kingdom and you make everything right and you make Jerusalem the capital and then you come back and we all live happily ever after in the new Israel? Is that what we're supposed to do? Vamos a estar protegidos mientras tú vayas al mundo para establecer tu reino? And Jesus' response to that is quite unexpected for them. In verse 8, Jesús responde. First, he says in verse 7, first of all, that day will come when my kingdom will be everywhere, but it's not for you to know when. The date is not in your hands. Algún día sí va a pasar eso, pero no van a conocer el tiempo. But here's the deal, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Cuando venga el Espíritu Santo sobre ustedes, recibirán poder y serán mis testigos en Jerusalén como en toda Judea y Samaria hasta los confines de la tierra. And with that, Jesus is out. What's he saying? He's saying, no, your purpose is not to cocoon. No van a ser como capullos. Your purpose is not to hang out in Jerusalem and just play it safe while the kingdom of God comes, but rather the Holy Spirit is going to send you out and you're going to be the ones to take my message, the message of the king and the message of the kingdom, 
and spread it all over. It'll start in Jerusalem, to be sure, but it's not going to stay there. It's going to go to the surrounding area, Judea, Samaria, and eventually all the way to the ends of the earth. Ustedes van a extender la influencia del mensaje del reino hasta los confines de la tierra. So the image of the church that we get here in the book of Acts is not of a cocoon. It's not the image of a bunch of people that just hunkered down and play defense. No es la imagen aquí de un capullo, de una, una comunidad a la defensiva. As we go into Acts chapter 2, and that promise of Jesus is fulfilled, the, the day of Pentecost comes, and the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, we see a much different image, a much different picture. We see the church actually going on the offensive. La iglesia no está la defensiva. En el día de Pentecostés viene el Espíritu y está la ofensiva. It begins at ground zero. Not only in Jerusalem, but it begins at the temple in Jerusalem. Comienza con el templo. We turn the page to Acts chapter 4. We read about two of the apostles, Peter and John. They're going to worship in the temple. Pedro y Juan van al templo, Hechos 4. They see a, a beggar off to the side there, a lame man who can't walk. Ven un cojo mendigo. And they, in the boldness of the Holy Spirit, say to the man, hey, we're not going to give you money, bud. We're going to give you something better. In the name of Jesus, stand up, walk, be free of your infirmity. No te vamos a dar dinero, le dicen al mendigo. En el nombre de Jesús camina. And the man jumps up. The kingdom of God touches him and he begins to praise God and he is free. Él está libre, este cojo. Peter and John, however, are not free. They get arrested. They're brought before the Jewish authorities. Les traen a Pedro y Juan ante las autoridades judías. And they're asking them, hey, who thinks, why do you think you can do this? By what power, by what authority do you think you can go around healing people? ¿Con qué autoridad hacen esto? Les preguntan. And in Acts 4 9, Peter and John, under the Holy Spirit's influence, say this, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and, and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Hoy se nos procesa por haber favorecido un inválido y se nos pregunta cómo fue sanado. Sepan pues todos ustedes que este uh, está delante de ustedes sano gracias al nombre del Señor Jesucristo de Nazaret, crucificado por ustedes, pero resucitado por Dios. And then in verse 12, they go even further and they say, hey, here's the deal. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. De hecho, en ningún otro hay salvación, porque no hay, otro, no hay bajo el cielo otro nombre dado a los hombres mediante el cual podamos ser salvos. Peter and John give a bold witness to Jesus the King and His kingdom in the power of the Holy Spirit. Dan un testimonio atrevido en el nombre del Señor Jesús. And that bold witness continues as we turn the pages into Acts chapter 7, Hechos 7. We learn about a man named Stephen, one of the first deacons of the church. Aprendemos de Esteban. Stephen also gets in trouble. 
he is accused of speaking against the temple of God. Se le acusan a Esteban de hablar en contra del templo. They bring him before the authorities. And if you read Acts chapter 7, Stephen lays out this marvelous sermon, this detailed, powerful sermon. And the climax of that sermon is basically to say to the authorities, hey, you need to understand God doesn't live in buildings. Dios no vive en edificios, le dice Esteban. Acts chapter 7, verse 48, he says, The Most High does not live in houses made by men. El Altísimo no habita en casas construidas por manos humanas. And then Stephen gets to his point. He says, here's the deal. I'm not against the, the temple of God. You are. Because God lives in this one named Jesus. He's the temple of God. And you crucified him. Ustedes están en contra del templo porque Jesús es el templo de Dios. Yo reside en él y ustedes lo crucificaron. But he's risen from the dead. And for that amazing sermon... Stephen is rewarded with death. They stone him. Le apedrean a Esteban por ese mensaje. And Acts 8.1 says that there's a man by the name of Saul there who gives approval to his death. Y Saulo estaba ahí aprobando la muerte de Esteban. So there's opposition to the church. The church is running into the powers of the world. And the powers of the world do not like what they hear and they are trying to crush what the church is doing. Los poderes del mundo quieren aplastar la iglesia. But in the face of this opposition, the church does not retreat. The church does not shrink back and shrivel up. La iglesia no mengua, no, no se marchita la iglesia. Rather, the church goes out in even more power. At the end of Acts 8, 1, it says, On that day, the day of Stephen's death, a great persecution broke out against the church of Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Aquel día se desató una gran persecución contra la iglesia en Jerusalén, y todos, excepto los apóstoles, se dispersaron por las regiones de Judea y Samaria. So these people are, are, are thrust out from Jerusalem into where? Judea and Samaria, and it says they preached the word of God wherever they went. They took the message of the kingdom further out. The more you try to crush us, the more we're going to go out. Y predican la palabra del reino. So the opposition is fierce, but the church keeps spreading. This man, Saul, who is at Stephen's death, he now takes up the mantle and he is a radical Jew and he begins to arrest Christians and to kill them and put them in jail. Saul empieza a perseguir a los cristianos. He's, he's on his way to Damascus, which is in Syria, which is way beyond Samaria, by Damasco, más allá de Siria. He's going to kill more. He's closing in for the kill, but on the road, on the way, Jesus stops him in his tracks. En camino a Damasco, Jesús se encuentra con Saul. And Saul, the radical Jew who is a weapon of Satan, becomes a witness to the resurrected Jesus Christ. El arma de Satanás, Saulo, se empieza a ser testigo del Señor. We turn to Acts chapter 9, verse 15, as, as uh, Saul is trying to get his bearings 
God sends a man named Ananias to him to pray for him. Dios envía Ananias a él para orar por él. And this is what Acts 9.15 says. The Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ve, insistió el Señor, porque ese hombre es mi instrumento escogido para dar a conocer mi nombre tanto a las naciones o las gentiles y a sus reyes como al pueblo de Israel. Yo le mostraré cuánto tendrá que padecer por mi nombre. You see what's happening? The persecution is intense, but the message is going out. And not only is the message of Jesus going to go out through Saul to other regions, it's going to go to other people. El mensaje de Jesús va a otras regiones y a otras personas. It's going to go now from the Jews to the Gentiles, also known as the nations. So more and more people are going to be included and brought into this message of the kingdom of God. Más y más personas se incluyen, and it's going to happen through the very guy that was trying to tamp the church down. Es el mismo hombre que quería perseguir la iglesia. It's Saul, also known to us as Paul. That's his Gentile name. And the rest of the book of Acts is mainly going to follow the trajectory of Paul. El resto de hecho sigue a Pablo. And what we see Paul doing is he's beginning to take that message further and further out. And as predicted, God shows Paul how much he has to suffer for it. Y Dios muestra a Pablo cuánto tiene que sufrir. Acts 14, 19, he's in the area of Turkey, uh, known back then as Asia Minor. And in one of the towns, Paul is nearly stoned to death. He's stoned within an inch of his life. And so he goes through a little bit of what Stephen did. Le apedrean a Pablo. And then he's going around with some of his traveling companions. In Acts 14, 22, it says that he was strengthening uh, the uh, followers of Jesus in their faith. And what does he say to them? He says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Dice Pablo, a ellos, tenemos que sufrir muchas dificultades, pasar por muchas dificultades para entrar en el reino de Dios. So Paul suffers as predicted, but he also, as predicted, appears before the kings and the rulers of the world. También aparece ante reyes. We find that in Acts 26, 26, Hecho 26, 26. Paul is actually on his way to Rome. He's actually on his way to, to see Caesar, the greatest king. And he's brought in this tribunal before a man named King Agrippa, who is a regional ruler. Pablo está ante el rey Agrippa, un rey regional. And he's sharing with this group of people the, the gospel, that good news that Jonathan was talking about. He's yelling about God's victories from the mountaintop before this room of people. Pablo está testificando del evangelio, la victoria de Dios. And some of the people listening say, man, this guy's nuts. He's crazy. Este está loco, dice. But Paul, in verse 26, says to King Agrippa, the king is familiar with these things. I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. Rey está familiarizado con estas cosas. Por eso atrevo a hablarle. Nada de esto sucedió en un rincón. And then he says to the king, 
King Agrippa, do you believe? Do you believe in the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa, cree usted los profetas? A mí me consta que sí. And the king's like, hey, well, hey, oh, don't try to get in my rule so fast. Don't try to change me. You think you can make me a Christian just like that? Me puedes convertir a cristiano así? Paul says, I don't care. Long time, short time. I want everyone to be like me, except for these chains. Yo quiero que todos sean como yo, aunque sin estas cadenas. The power of the gospel is confronting and shaking the powers of this world. El evangelio confronta los poderes del mundo. And the book of Acts then ends with Paul making it all the way to Rome after many hardships. And in Acts chapter 28, verse 23, Paul is set up in Rome. He's got his own house. Pablo está en Roma. He's waiting to appear before Caesar with this message that, that there's a greater king than Caesar. Está esperando aparecer ante César con un mensaje más grande. And it says in verse 23 that, that people came in large numbers to the place where he was staying. And from morning till evening, he explained and declared to them what? The kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and the prophets. Desde la mañana hasta la tarde estuvo Pablo explicándoles y testificándoles acerca del reino de Dios y tratando de convencerlos respecto a Jesús partiendo de la ley de Moisés y de los profetas. And then at the very end of the book of Acts, Acts 28:30, we learn that Paul is there for two years waiting for his trial in his own rented house under house arrest, está allí dos años, and the book ends with this. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Predicaba el reino de Dios y enseñaba acerca del Señor Jesucristo sin impedimento y sin temor alguno. So what's going on here in the book of Acts? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. ¿Qué pasa aquí? I can tell you what's not going on. The church is not acting like a cocoon. The church is not, you know, kind of shriveled up and hiding out. La iglesia no es como un capucho. I think there is a much better image here in the book of Acts to describe what we see. Hay otra imagen que describe esto. Here's the image that comes to my mind. It's the image of a starfish. Una estrella de mar. Have you ever considered a starfish? Starfish are, are very unique creatures in the animal kingdom. Las estrellas de mar son muy únicas. You know the story that if a starfish has an appendage cut off, if it loses an arm, if, if it loses one of its, its uh, 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 yeah, arms, the appendage of the starfish, it will grow another one back. Una estrella de mar, si, si pierde un brazo, puede regenerar otro. As I understand it, there's some starfish that can grow two or three arms back once that arm is severed. Pueden crecer hasta dos o tres. The key is that, that middle part of the starfish, as long as that middle part called the central disc of the starfish is alive, as long as there's life in that middle section, everything in there is contained that it needs to just keep spreading out 
its wings, to keep extending its arms and growing them without end. Mientras el disco central se mantenga vivo, puede extenderse y crecer más alas, más brazos. And I think that's a great image of what we see going on in the book of Acts. The church is not a cocoon, the church is a starfish. La iglesia es una estrella de mar. Peter and John get arrested, the message goes forward. Stephen gets killed, boom, here comes Paul. Paul gets in jail, here comes Timothy. The Holy Spirit doesn't let them go in here, they go over here to Macedonia. And the church is just always radiating out with the message of Jesus, and it cannot be stopped by the powers of this world. La iglesia siempre está radiando con el mensaje de Jesús. So the book of Acts, I think, is showing us that the church is not meant to cocoon. The church is meant, designed from the beginning to starfish, to, to extend the influence of Jesus Christ, the King, and his kingdom to all people in all places, in all the power of the King through the Holy Spirit. That's the purpose of the church. La iglesia debe extender su influencia de Jesús a todas las personas en todos lugares, en todo el poder de rey, el Señor Jesús. That's the power of the church. Now, I think I said it in our first message. Some people think the church is the kingdom of God. I would say we're a part of the kingdom of God. The church is not necessarily equal with the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is bigger. But we're a part of it, and I believe we're, we're called to be an instrument of God's kingdom. Somos llamados a ser un instrumento del reino de Dios. There's a, a, a writer, a Christian writer by the name of Alan Hirsch who kind of puts it in a weird way. He, he says that it's all about what he calls the gospel sneeze. Él dice que es uh, un autor que es el estornudo del evangelio. What does that mean? It means that as Christians, we're all kind of like germs, okay? Each one of us contains within us what is needed for the spreading of God's kingdom. And the, the church is not meant to kind of, kind of, you know, just sit still and say, hey, you all come to us. And the church is not to attract people to itself so much. The church is meant to be, we are meant to be sneezed out in the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and infect and affect the rest of the world, to be attractive out there, not just in the four walls of a building. Debemos estar estornudados en el poder del Espíritu Santo para contagiar al mundo con el amor de Jesús. We're supposed to be contagious. We're to be influencers in the very best sense of the term. And so whenever there is a temptation on our part to play it safe, to kind of hide out, draw the curtains down, something's wrong. Si no queremos extendernos, algo pasa. We're not meant to cocoon. We're meant to starfish. We're meant to starfish, and that's the pattern we see in Acts. And so in light of that pattern, the question then is, how can we be about spreading the contagious influence of Jesus Christ the King wherever we go. How can we be those germs of the kingdom of God?
¿Cómo podemos extender la influencia del Señor Jesús donde quiera que vayamos? You know, the last couple of years, I think the temptation has been to play it safe in the church. I'm not just talking about Sunrise Church. I'm talking about the church throughout our country, at least in this place, because of COVID, because of uh, the political divisions we've got going on, the society uh, and, and the, the opposition to Christianity in our, in our secular uh, society. Hay mucha oposición secular, COVID, because of all these things, the, the, the temptation is going to be, well, let's just kind of, you know, just hold what we've got. But that's not God's plan. And so, God's word, I think, is challenging us to get in touch with the center disc of our faith. And what's the center disc of our faith? Tenemos que estar conectados con el disco central de nuestra fe. The center disc of our faith is that Jesus Christ has died and risen from the dead, never to die. Never to die. Cristo resucitó y nunca va a morir. And if he will, is always alive forever and ever, then his kingdom cannot be stopped. Su reino no se puede parar. And we can have that confidence to go. It was so fun yesterday. There were about 20 of us from sunrise yesterday out at a park on a sunny day showing the love of Jesus to people. And when we do activities like that as a church, I say, yeah, that's at the heart of the church, but that's not just the heart of the church. That is like practice for what we're supposed to do every single day of our lives, Monday through Saturday and even Sunday too. Cuando tenemos actividades así como hicimos con la Iglesia y Mago, es, es como un ensayo de cómo debemos vivir todos los días. So if you missed it yesterday, you didn't miss it. You are invited. And so this week I want to ask us, ask me, because this is a challenge for me. How can we get in touch with that center disc of our faith that Jesus is alive? And then how can we, how can you, how can I show in an infectious way the love of Jesus Christ with words, with deeds, with our lives. Who could you share God with just one person this week? Who could you infect? ¿A quién puedes contagiar esta semana con el amor de Jesucristo? Who could you sneeze on spiritually? Take the mask off. Sneeze on them, right? ¿A quién puedes estornudar espiritualmente? God's word in Acts is saying, go in the power of the Holy Spirit and spread the influence of Jesus the King and the influence of the kingdom of God. Vayan en el poder del Espíritu Santo y extiendan la influencia de Jesús el Rey y del Reino de Dios. So with that in mind, I want to invite us to stand and pray the Lord's Prayer. And again, we're paying attention to that one phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done. Vamos a orar el Padre Nuestro, los que puedan en español, que oren en español, y yo voy a orar en inglés.
Let's pray from the heart these words. We've been saying them every week, so let your heart speak these out to the Lord as our prayer. Vamos a orar de corazón. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord Jesus, when we feel weak, when we feel insignificant, remind us that you are the core of our life. Enable us to go and to know that because you're the king, there's no power on earth that can put down what you want to do. Cuando nos sentimos débiles, Señor, recuérdanos que tú eres el puro centro de nuestra fe y en tu poder vamos al mundo. God, I want to pray for people, people that need Jesus. We all know them. Give us the courage to love people enough to say something, to do something, to show something of your kingdom to them. Danos la valentía de decir o hacer algo para demostrar tu reino a ellos. And we trust that somehow this plan works. We think it might be easier if you just did it, like the disciples thought. But you've asked us to do it. That's a privilege. It's a responsibility. It's a challenge. It's an honor. Nos has pedido hacer lo que tú pudieras hacer fácilmente tú mismo, pero nos has pedido a nosotros. So lead us and send us out in your power as your people to every place that your kingdom may be shown. Guíanos, Señor, para que se manifieste tu reino. And you'll get the credit and the glory because it's your plan. Thank you, Jesus, that you're alive. You're real. You're here. And we love you. Te amamos, Señor Jesús. Gracias. It's in your name we pray. Amen.